Okay, today's reading is Luke 18, 9 through 14. It can be found on page 967 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we come into this place, we come from different kinds of spaces in our lives, and it's not very transparent always to other people around us, our family and friends, um, what's going on inside of us. Um, so we might come here with stuff that's, that's apparent, that we're wearing on our sleeves. Or we might have stuff that's buried pretty deep or just hidden from view and, and probably won't see the light of day. Um, we come with uh, doubts and questions, experiences of grief and loss. We come with um, aggravations, and sometimes they're, they've been in our life for a long time, and we've prayed many prayers for them to, um, to, be, to be taken care of or taken from us, and yet we continue to struggle. Um, we come maybe believing a lot of what we're, um, what we're singing or hearing today, and, or we come not believing, questioning almost every word of it. From all these places, the truth is we're all more of a mess than we care to admit. That's the, that's the honest picture of, of humanity. And, um, and yet you are the kind of God that moves uh, almost because of your character, because of a, it's just an attribute of yours that you move towards the broken and you have a bent towards restoring what has been lost or what has been flawed. And so we have the ability to, to sit here with a sort of an awe and a confidence in your approach towards us, more of a mess than we care to admit, but in Christ, you've shown more loved and accepted than we ever imagined. And as we sit simultaneously with those two realities, we pray that your grace may abound and be so present in this time as we consider these words and then as we move towards the table of grace. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. What is your self-talk? That's what we're talking about today. What is, what, is, what is the makeup of your inner, the inner voices that you have going on in your life? What's your self-talk like? And um, I'm, not just, I'm not talking about just, you know, the thing in your, in your head that while I'm talking that says, you know, oh yeah, this afternoon I got to mow the lawn, I got to, you know watch this game, oh, I forgot, to, I left the oven on, or da-da-da-da, you know. Not those voices, but kind of the ones that are like, you know, those voices that, that get at the things that are driving you, that are really driving your life, you know, the kind of voices that creep up when you have an interaction, 
or, or something that doesn't go quite the way that you're really proud of or excited of and, and you kind of have certain feelings that are attached to that and sort of voices that, that maybe um, tell you you're awesome or tell you you're not awesome. Like what, are, what's, what kind of voices, what self-talk drives you? You know, you, at the end of the day, you, you have to rest your head on the pillow and fall asleep, you know. And sometimes there's like a, there's like, that's, that can be a really lonely moment in life for some, right? Where you're, at the end of the day, you have to say, I mean, some of you are like, no way, I just, my head hits the pillow, I fall asleep. What are you talking about? But some of us, you know, you have that moment and it's like, at the end of the day, how do you, you know, almost like how do you stabilize yourself after a long day that may have gone great or may have not gone very well? What's... In the, at the end of the day, how do you rest? And what do you rest on? You know, how are you stabilizing and buttressing your sense of self? Really what I'm getting at is how do you, how do you justify your existence? Often just to yourself or to others or to family. How do you justify yourself? That's really what this passage is getting at. And um, I'm not making that up because it says it right here. And Jesus says, one of them... Let me see if I can find the spot. Oh, yeah, no, it's right there on page uh, 967 in your Bibles. I tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before God. Justified. So what we're getting at here is like two different versions of self-talk, two examples of people navigating their justification before God and before the world. And uh, it's our chance to consider that how we're doing at navigating that. You know why I think, the reason I think Jesus is doing this, the reason I think Jesus um, tells this parable is because if you, um, if you are identifying the nature of your self-talk, if you can go there and start to kind of pick at it and try to understand what's driving you um, and let Jesus do business with that, you're actually opening yourself up to a kind of transformation that's possible no other way. And of course, this is many of Jesus' parables and teachings are basically just kind of trying to shock you and wake you up a little bit to an avenue of transformation, a way of getting, you know, uh, we talk a lot about, you know, the Bible talks about hard hearts and their soft hearts. And so a lot of times in church circles, we'll pray for the softening of hearts and sometimes, even, you maybe be willing to pray for the softening of your own heart. This is really what happens as you begin to look at your self-talk. If you can start to peel back the layers of that onion, right? Well, that stinky onion, right? And sometimes there's tears involved, just like when you're dealing with an onion, right? There's, but if you start to peel back some of the layers of your self-talk and some of your defenses that are around that, that can lead towards a softening of your heart that creates a sort of receptiveness in your heart and a sort of growing heart as well. And it happens every year um, in our dive group. Um, a lot of you probably heard me talk about dive, but we're on like dive 4.0, I call it. We're on the fourth year of doing it, and it's just been a joy to walk this 10-month journey with a new group each year, and we'll start another one in February. But right around now, Towards the end, we've got like two more meetings. One of them's tonight, and and it and this is what is really becomes clear is that folks are um, one of the things that's happening is that in this group we're identifying our kind of our inner self talk is one way to look at it, and and trying to grasp how the gospel 
of Jesus can transform that and create a new kind of healthier kind of life-giving self-talk. And so even in this, in dive, what people do is they are, one of the assignments is to write a gospel prayer, to write a short prayer that encapsulates a new kind of self-talk, a gospel-driven self-talk. Um, and so I can tell you from that journey, from like four times of doing that journey, that there's a lot of different kinds of common self-talk. Some of what the self-talk looks like that we are walking around with goes like this. Um, I, I, can have, I have self-assurance in my life because I feel happy. You know, my feelings, just how I feel about life. I'm feeling good, therefore I'm self-assured. I have value, I have worth. I feel self-assured, or I, I know I can be self-assured and confident about myself because of how things are going in my work life. I got a promotion. I know I can feel good about myself. I'm self-assured because I look at the mirror and I like I'm liking most of what I see, right? Physical appearance, beauty. I'm self-assured because I, um, I am married. I have someone in my life that I have companionship with. I can feel self-assured because I've been getting my to-do list done every day. I can feel self-assured because people have affirmed me. I can feel self-assured because I've been really busy. And then there's the flip side. I feel devastated. I feel like I'm a mess because, and I have no self-assurance because I don't feel good. In fact, I haven't, I haven't felt like getting out of bed in two or three months and I've had suicidal thoughts. So there's a dark side to the inner self-talk, right? I don't feel self-assured because that person that I was in a study group with in grad school and we got the same, we're in the, doing the same thing and they've, their career advancement is like through the roof and I'm still stuck in this place over here um you know i don't feel self-assured because i look in the mirror and i don't like what i see you know you just keep going through all these things right and just give the opposite i i don't feel self-assured at the end of the day because i'm i'm not married in fact um maybe i've been praying about that issue for years and nothing has happened the right person hasn't come and on and on and on there's a flip side to the self-talk there's a crushing devastating flip side to this self-talk and so Jesus makes this Pharisee into the first kind of picture of self-talk. He makes this Pharisee into a caricature. I really think, as he describes the Pharisee, I think that, he's, I think that the audience would have laughed because I think he puts those things out there in an, in an extreme way that maybe there are a lot of examples in Pharisees of his day, and we definitely know that from... from but this he feels to me like he's, he's putting this religious leader with some caricature kind of like... In bold strokes, that people would have been like, oh my gosh, Jesus, he's exaggerating so much. You know, this Pharisee that stands up and prays, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulteries, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. I think he's exaggerating, making this. So there's no doubt to any of us that what's happening, what the condition of this person's heart is self justifying self talk. The self talk is, I justify myself. I do these things, and I can be justified before God. Um, and unfortunately for you and me, it's relatable to all of us. We can all relate, and we can all see ourselves in this. Even though it's a caricature, the whole point is that this is all of us. In some way, this is the starting point of this brief parable. 
Because the prayer of the Pharisee is um, to stop, you know, at your stopping points in your life, wherever those might be. I talked about, you know, you're putting your head on the pillow at the end of the night. Whatever your stopping point of evaluation is, the Pharisee's in this parable is what he's doing in that moment, he's assessing a sort of scorecard and saying, check, 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 yep, pretty good. I'm doing it. I'm getting there. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. Yep, check, check, check. A scorecard of self-justification. And if in this, the trans, so basically everyone has to start, if we're going to hear this teaching, everyone has to start here. And um, the transformation of today's lesson will feel elusive to you if you're unwilling to enter in and to see a connection with yourself in the Pharisee. But let's move on to the second self-talk in the parable. And that's in verses 13 and 14 with the, um, the tax collector. But the tax collector, verse 13, stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. This is someone who does not have any external impressive credentials. Clearly doesn't. And I could get into the whole tax collector thing, but you've maybe heard it. But basically this guy, just by his title, is publicly kind of despicable traitor type guy. So he has zero credentials. He has negative credentials in terms of morality and ethics. But here's what he's done. He has given up on self-justifying. Doesn't have the externals, but he's given up on that inner self-justification work inside of himself. Have you? That's, that's what's standing before us. He's found a way to run against the whole fabric of humanity, of our natural way of looking at God and saying, God, um, here's the stuff I bring to the table. I'd like you to smile on it. And this guy is coming to the table and saying, you know what, what, what I bring to the table is not going to cut it. And I'm tired of trying He's saying, in a sense, God, if there is going to be a connection here, it's not going to be because of me or what I'm bringing to this. It's going to have to be you. It's going to have to be you. That's what he's doing. My best deeds are just going to fall painfully short. Even my best deeds. I'm a mess. And if we're going to connect, God, it's going to have to be you. And that's, you know, that's quite frankly, that's just, you know, that's not easy to hear when you're running a spiritually independent kind of life. If your posture, which most of us have this, is, is spiritual independence. It's not an easy message to hear. But it's the difference, in a sense, what, what's clear here is it's the difference between having life and not having life. Because it's very clear this... One is justified and one at the end of the story is not. One is, has, a, has a connection to God, has a firm, strong connection to God, and one of them doesn't. Another way to say it is God's always going to feel to you a million miles away. If your way of praying, if your way of looking to God is, God, I got this. And you're going to wonder, in, in some ways you're going to wonder, why does 
you know, hey, and I've heard people say, you know, God just seems so far from me. I don't really know what to do. You know? God, but are you saying in your life, God, I got, you know, I got most of this. I got this myself. It turns out God works like one of these little Thomas trains. With kids, I've had a lot. I've had trains in my life for like the last 10 years um, with like a 14-year-old down to a 4-year-old. And I was um, thinking about this message and I was thinking, you know, God's kind of like, it's kind of like magnets, you know, where a magnet, um, you kind of, you turn it this way, certain kinds of magnets, and they just repel, you know, and you turn it this way and it smashes together, firm, strong connection. And that's like what it's like for us and God. And, and, And so, you know, the trains, you know, the Thomas trains, maybe you don't, but there's, they got a positive and a negative magnet on each side, right? So it only works one way, and if you put them back to back, they just won't connect. But if you come with the second one behind this one in the right direction, then it can be led and go, and it, it's a beautiful thing, right, to a child. And that's, you know, that's, but that's, that's how it works, right? God, God doesn't, it's like God cannot, dis, cannot make a connection with us when we're, independent, when that's the drive of our heart. If we come to God with dependency, suddenly it's like, firm connection, let's go. Come with me, I'll take you to beautiful places. That's how it works, except it's just, I mean, it's, this is really, this, it can be downright traumatic. It can feel traumatic to go there, to peel back the layers of the onion, to, to get into your self-talk and say, I'm going to have to do business with some of this stuff. I know, it can take years. It's the reason why people, at, you know, we give a lot of space for, at City Life to take your time with the Christian faith, and part of it is it takes, uh, if you give that kind of space, you know, things can happen over time that can't happen quickly, and some of it is that wiring, that unwiring and that difficult doing business with some of the trust issues we have. And yet that's the only direction to go in a connection with God. In fact, one writer, James Dunn, talks about this and connects this to, the, to um, one of the teachings of Martin Luther and the Reformation. So this is in your worship guide as well. Listen to this quote. The insight granted to Luther has remained at the heart of the Protestant Christian thought justification by faith is a sharp sword. And this is what I mean by, this is tough to do business with your inner self-talk. Justification is a sharp sword which punctures all the inflated thoughts of self-importance. It is the sharp knife which cuts away all reliance on human effort, on human cleverness. It is a sharp spade which undermines any attempt to build our own protective barriers or control our own destiny. It cuts through all the human pretense, all human self-assurance, all human boasting. God accepts not the important, not the activist, or the clever, or the powerful as such. It is the sinner he accepts. That is an insight which has been applied over and over again in the Christian critique of false religiosity and political system. It is an insight which must never be lost from the gospel. Notice the prayer. Again, the simple words of the tax collector. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, Henry Nouwen, I was reading this book about, from Henry Nouwen called With Burning Hearts, and he's Catholic. And so he has a reflection about the, the prayer in Catholic Mass um, I don't think we usually do it here, but for in Catholic Mass, it's a regular 
every time thing. It's the Kyrie eleison, and it's, it means Lord have mercy. It's the same prayer of the person in our parable. God have mercy on me, a sinner. So this is what Nowen says. Lord have mercy must emerge from a contrite heart. In contrast to a hardened heart, a contrite heart is a heart that does not blame but acknowledges its own part in the sinfulness of the world. And so, has been made ready to receive God's mercy. It's not fun to do business with your self-talk. It's painful, I know, because I, I look at some of you and I know you've, you've, I've shared the journey with you and I've told my own story of dealing with my self-talk. It's, it's a universally not fun, but it opens you up for God's mercy. Let's pray. Dear God, our experiences of your mercy are rich and good, and um, we always give thanks for them, but often we wouldn't wish some of those experiences on anyone. And we don't necessarily pray for them to happen again. But we do pray, God, that you would soften our hearts and give us more and more of your grace. May we find, may we find through your Holy Spirit that you are unlocking pathways to trusting you that, um, that we have preferred to have locked and barricaded our whole lives. We pray that you do this through the work of your Holy Spirit so that we may know you better and live from the place of your love rather than the place of our control, our independence, and our fear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.